So, so we're gonna do this intro different ways. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna do uh, first uh, the Ed McMahon version. <laughs> Welcome to Oh Brother, Not Another podcast with me, Trace Burrows, and me, Migs Burrows, presented by the newly transformed and fantastic Westport Library. And now oh, I'm gonna do the NP- NPR, the NPR version. Welcome to Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast with me, Trace Burroughs. And take it away, Migs. Oh, I'm sorry. And me, Migs Burroughs, presented by the newly transformed and fantastic Westport Library. Our guest, our first guest is Dan. Well, this is the burning issue of the. Is it Wogue, <laughs> Woog, Wowogue? What? No. You know Let's what? get this cleared up okay. once and for all. It's, it's, it, I know it's an issue. It's it's Wogue. It's Dutch. However, I mispronounce my own name, so I don't worry about it. You can call me whatever you want. I haven't, you know, but I've had this discussion with people, and I correct them because I've heard you <laughs> introduce yourself as Wogue, and and I there's the Moog. Everyone called it the Moog synthesizer, and it's really the Moog synthesizer. Synthesizer, right. And, right? and our president in the United States was Franklin Roosevelt. Oh. Dutch, also Dutch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, great. So um, you're the Westport, the conduit for all things Westport. Um, what, I guess the first question I have is... What's going on with Westport? <laughs> what's, what's ah, the, the question that's been asked since the 1700s. Uh, it, it's, it's just, as, as you guys know, it's an amazing town. There's so much going on. Uh, some of it is, is good. Some of it's bad. Some of it's weird. Some of it's cool. Some of it's funky. Some of it's bizarre. But, you know, I, I think that's been the Westport of down through the down through the centuries, and that's what's made it different, I think, from a lot of the nearby towns that might look the same. What's the weird stuff? Oh, my God. Just <laughs> walk, walk out the door. <laughs> uh, you know, you walk out of the library here, and you see, uh, you know, Tiffany next to uh, a homeless shelter. Oh, right. Oh, yes, um, that is right, yeah. It's, it's you know, that's that's Westport. I mean, it's, yeah. it's progressive, it's forward-looking it's insular it's provincial it's you know open to the world and and we don't want anybody else coming in and telling us what to do um you know what what, you walk down main street and and you see these storefronts that that have been empty for a year you know with with absentee landlords paying god knows what kind of taxes on them um and and then you see a you know Savvy and Grace or a place like that that's that's pretty cool and a throwback to the to the old Main Street and it's you know we we, we think this town doesn't change much and and yet there's something going on all the time. And what what do you think is this a new thing? This phenomenon? It's not maybe it's, is it a phenomenon or is it just we're paying more? You're paying more attention. We all are. Is the in, Lack of civility, courtesy. The, again, the parking, the ridiculous. 
parking situation, people in a Maserati rolling down their window and throwing garbage out the window on the street. I mean, what, is that new or is we're just paying, paying yeah, attention you know, to we've, it? The three of us have been here. Yeah. You know, we've, we've grown up here. Um, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I do know that when you talk to people, they will talk about the golden age of when they moved here and how it was different. And that's true of the people who moved here in 1940 or 1960. And I heard the other day from a woman who moved here in, in the early 2000s. And she talked about how different the town was. <laughs> you know, the mom and pops on Main Street, as if, you know, uh, Ann Taylor was, a, yeah, was the last mom and pop. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so I think we all have our lens of looking at it. Um, Having said that, I you know I, I don't remember the garbage on Parker Harding Plaza. Mm. Um, I don't remember people being so rude, you know, in, in terms of the driving. It's it's the Maseratis now. Yeah, the driving. You know, know, was it the Porsches and the BMWs when those were the hot cars? I don't know, but it, it but it's pretty gross. It, so the other burning question I have to ask is: Did you coin the phrase "ass hat"? I think that is the greatest word. I, <laughs> I did, television. did like, not, but oh. you know the definition is someone whose head is so far up their ass. That's <laughs> 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 sort of the etymology of it. <laughs> that's uh, that's been out there. I hear that in sitcoms and. <laughs> oh, have you? Okay. Well, first time I was in Dan's column. <laughs> oh. Here's another an example of another ass hat. You know, oh, I some, wish I had. But yeah, well, that's a great. Um, <laughs> um, so you're a coach as well as you've been coaching soccer for how many years now? Uh, this will be my 17th year as the head coach mm. of the boys' soccer program at Staples. I was an assistant long before that. And I really started uh, when I got back from college in, in, in the mid-70s. And Albie Leffler, my mentor oh, yeah, and he was just a when I was there, yeah. wonderful wonderful guy uh sort of got me involved and and uh it's it's been a great trip ever since and what uh what's the appeal i mean for you soccer over many other yeah. sports because it was basically an international kind of yeah it's sport. you know westport was as as a pioneer in so many ways was really a pioneer in suburban soccer you know it did in the through much of the nineteenth of the twentieth century, it was a you know an urban ethnic sport. Um, you had the Polish uh, teams in New Britain and Hartford. You had the Italians in in Bridgeport. You had the Ukrainians, um, and Albi was really the first to bring the sport that that he had played growing up outside of Hartford uh, into. Suburbia. It wasn't the first, but but he really jump started it in this area, uh, and the Staples teams of the '60s and '70s were really really good. I mean, Albie made great teams, and we would travel and we would play these ethnic teams. We would go to New Jersey. We'd go to um, you know the cities in in Connecticut. Uh, and it was a way really for me to see the world. I mean, it sounds, you know, hokey, but, but it, it really was. So the appeal of the game to me is that it's not football. 
It's not basketball. It's not baseball. Um, it's a uniquely uh, international sport. And you can play it, you know, no matter what your size is. I am no giant uh, by any means, um, but I could play it. You know, you have to be, you know, seven foot nine to play basketball. You have to be 400 pounds to play football. Um, and I, I think also that uh, soccer players realize that, that they are part of this larger world. Um, it's a welcoming sport for anybody, um, you know, no matter what their, what their race or their, or mm -hmm. their background. Um, it, it, it's a very interesting sport. And, and the other one, the other thing I'll mention is that it does not, uh, it, it's a player's sport. You can't call timeout. You can't diagram a play. You can't oh, Im impose yourself as a coach on the game. Once the whistle blows, the players are on their own. And I really like that as a coach because my job is done when the game begins and it appeals to very creative, intelligent people, which I kind of like. So as a coach, you're responsible for raising their skill level, right? And just getting them prepared for the game. Preparing yeah, them, yeah. you know, exposing them to different situations that they will have where they have to figure it out on their own. I, I uh, the guys who were coaching with me, two great guys, Kurt Dasbach and, and Tom Hensky, and I, uh, we really are sort of the anti-coaches. Um, we give a lot to the players. We demand a lot of them. And I think we're doing it in a way that a lot of other sports are not. So we have a good time doing it. We, we laugh a lot, and hopefully the kids do too. And weren't you, you were in a soccer movie, weren't you? Didn't you I was or? in Manny's Orphans. Manny's Orphans, um, right. You, you remember, I'm sure, Sean so, Cunningham. Yeah, did bluer m movies than that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Sean, for those who don't know. I don't know. Uh, he has sisters, though. No. Well, so, Sean, you had a brother, oh. uh, Kevin Cunningham, who's still around, is a painter. Oh. Kevin's Sean, still around. But Sean invented Friday, he did the first Friday the 13th movie. He did he? the first Friday oh. the 13th, he did Spring Break, but before that, um, he was into porn. Yeah, um. yeah. Marilyn, I think. <laughs> is that where Marilyn got her? I think so. Uh, he was not involved with Marilyn. Oh, wasn't? Oh, Marilyn okay. Chambers. But uh, in, in the mid-70s, he came up with this, first he did... Uh, a movie called Here Come the Tigers, which was a complete ripoff of Bad News Bears. Um, you know, the baseball, you know, yeah. kids movie. And then he did a soccer movie called Manny's Orphans. And he hired me as the soccer guru. <laughs> so my job was to sort of choreograph all the scenes with the orphans, who of course beat the uh, prep school GFA, Greens Farms Academy type uh, kids in the big game. Surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> and these are all actors playing. Uh, no, soccer. they were kids. I, oh, I, real soccer. Yeah, there were a couple of actors, um, but, but mainly it was our kids, kids yeah. I was coaching. So I had to choreograph them to look bad and to, to play poorly in the beginning. And uh, they couldn't do it because they thought that this was going to be their big break and they would be discovered by Hollywood. So they couldn't play poorly. Um, and I remember the first thing, Sean was, you know, Sean was a director and I was not into, I knew nothing about movies. 
And we went to Bridgeport where we did some of the filming. And he asked me to work with the uh, production guys to set out a soccer field. So we had this grass area and I set out a soccer field. And other things were going on. And Sean came out of the trailer and said, what's this? He said, it's the soccer field. He said, it's too fucking big. <laughs> I said, well, Sean, you didn't tell me. So we, you know, made it, made it a little smaller. Um, it, it, it was just a great time. They had this, uh, uh, the Panavision was new. It was the camera that's held, it, it's held on uh, the cameraman's shoulders. And it's uh, spring-loaded, so he can run. Steady cam. Steady cam. Oh, so he could run. Wow amidst the, uh, you know, all the action and, and take the action while he's running against it. So the kids that I got, you know, they're 12 and 13 years old, and they started inventing a game, which was to see how close they could come to kick the ball <laughs> to the, you know, $6,000 camera without breaking it. So Sean calls a halt to the action. He gets these 12-year-old kids around him, says, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and they looked at him. He says, if any of you break this camera, you're buying it. <laughs> so it was, a, it, it was just a great time. And, uh, you know, it, it, the movie, I think, was the first movie to ever actually open in airplanes. <laughs> it bypassed theaters. straight 30,000 feet. Right. Uh, but the funny thing is, it's still... Getting airtime, really? you know, on channel 592 mm. yeah. uh, at four in the morning, and a kid will come up to me, and I had a role in it as as the uh, the referee. So I'm there with, you know, it's the mid 70s. I have long hair, and and I, the camera zooms in on me, and I blow the whistle, and the game starts. I'm on screen for you know uh, three nanoseconds. <laughs> And these kids will come up to me in 2019 and say, Dan, I saw your movie. I said, what are you doing watching, you know, channel 592 at four in the morning? Um, did you have to jo it, join SAG and after for that? I did not, but I did get a credit, and oh. I am on IMDb. Oh, are you really? You're on I your am. Own do you still get royalties? <laughs> I got, did you ever get royalties? No royalties. I got no. an appearance fee. Um but these kids at Staples, you know, Staples players who have acted in, you know, 20 shows and they're great and they're going to, you know, Carnegie Mellon or, or you know, wherever and they're, and, and they're becoming actors are really pissed off at me that I have an IMDb yeah, page. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Staples and all that, uh, you've been there, uh, well, I, I, we both graduated Staples. Um, how has that changed? I mean, from my perspective, when I was there, the well, let's see, my first year in high school was in the old Staples building that was on the Bedford. I get the name. Now it's Saugatown. I didn't realize you started there. Oh yeah, so I was actually in that the original Staples High School building, which was that brick, ancient-looking brick yeah. building. So I had my first God. class was in there. We were waiting for Staples to be finished. And so I wasn't in the first year of the new Staples, but I think the second year I, we transferred over. And uh, so it's five buildings, you know, set in a California layout. Yeah. 
and it's raining. You had to run between <laughs> classes. I liked it. Yeah, you liked it. Well, you yeah. you got to go outside. Got to you know, because you're inside, so you got a little outdoor. That's true. F- from your well, classroom, you got yeah. to walk it. And actually, at lunchtime, Barry, when he was the schemers then, but Barry Tashin, who became Barry in the Remains, and on and on, used to play at lunchtime with schemers. Played out there at lunchtime. Um, Richard Delvecchio and I think. Michael Friedman was in the schemers, and so at lunchtime we had a band playing yeah. in the. But anyway, so what you're. So what I, I was a few years a few years after you. I one of my great regrets is I was never in that original Staples building on Riverside Avenue, mm. which is now basically where the Sagatuck L Auditorium is. Well, the original building has been torn down. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but that's, that's where it was. That's where right, it was. Exactly. The auditorium. And and yeah. and I saw it. I was young. You know, mm. I'm a few years younger than you, but I never was in that building on oh. you know which is really too bad so i was at staples when it was still at this point nine separate buildings still had the covered walkways uh fantastic in september and october and and may and june and and yeah. pretty ridiculous <laughs> yeah. the rest of the year I'm running for your life um <laughs> but you, you you know you're right trace we were outside we would go out between classes there was life in the courtyard um, I was there when it was an open campus. We had 2,000 kids in three grades. Uh, we had so 1,200. Yeah. You had 1,200, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and they needed us off campus because it was too crowded. So we would go, you know, we would get lunch. Uh, they, had the, uh, they had a student lounge when I was there, which was sort of underneath the nine building. And I, I, I mean, I, it... it blows my mind when I think about it, but there were no teachers allowed in there. So everything you can imagine that went on, would have gone on, (laughs) went on there. And we just thought it was normal. Yeah, we have a student lounge and, you know, no teachers. That's amazing. And then, you know, they had the renovation, they called it, where they sort of bricked in all the nine different buildings and turned it into one. And now the and that lasted for another 30 or, or so years. Then they did this, you know, great $84 million uh, reconstruction project. The way it is now. The way it is now. And I, I had this idea that, you know, they would bring in a, a ball and chain and, and knock it down and build a new school, but they actually nibbled away at it to, you know, save all the... Mm. steel and asbestos and everything else that was there and 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 they built the new school while the old school was still there so we would go you know mm. as I, I i work there now and and we would go from this beautiful gleaming airy building to the old moldy oh, low ceiling uh, gross uh-huh. one <laughs> and and yet it it had its charm um, the new building works. It's it's gorgeous. You know, it's already twelve years old, and it still looks, yeah, you know, right. fresh and new. It's it's just a fantastic building, um, and yet it's you know it's three stories. You don't have that. The outside of it, when I've seen it, when I first like fought, uh, Jesus, now ten years ago, it seems so cold and yeah. small it's windows. Like a corporate very institutional. Yeah, it was it w- it was compared mm-hmm. to. Uh, corporate headquarters, airline terminal, 
prison. Mm. Um, but it really works. You know, now there's art on the walls. The, the trees have grown up in the courtyard. Um, it's, it's really much nicer now. And the auditorium, which used to be uh, a separate building with steps that you had to climb to get into it, yeah. is now fully integrated into the school. You know, kids hang out there all the time. That's why they use the same auditorium that was like when we were yeah. growing up. They, it's but it's but it's use. become an integral part of the school the way it always was. Right. Emotionally and spiritually, and now physically, it's it's the center. And of the it's school. much enhanced as a space. But I was I was in Staples Players, and um, the second year it was created by Matheson and Steve Gilbert, and. Um, yeah, that was basically the same. It's the same space. Yeah, that's the, that's the only remaining. That's nice. Spa mm -hmm. Intact space from so, the previous staple. So, so here's the interesting thing. Every year, every couple of years, I will give a guided tour of the new staples to uh, reunion classes, and you know they're blown away by the building. They love the TV studio and the and the uh, culinary. You know, the they're like commercial kitchens. Yeah. But we always end up on the, uh, at the auditorium. And they will, you know, members of the class of 76 or 66 or 56, well, not 56 because <laughs> they weren't there, but they will get up on that stage mm -hmm. and they'll start, you know, saying lines from their play. Oh, wow. uh, John Gilmore was there once and, and started singing. So it's, you know, to go back to your question, Migs, the, the building has changed significantly, but, but it's still, I think, you know, in many ways, Staples High School. And, and that's not going to change. No. Yeah, and, and to plug, the, you mentioned the art, but just to give them a little plug, the Westport Permanent Art Collection, uh, which has the biggest municipal art collection in the country, and they rotate art. And it's in all the schools and municipal buildings, but they've done a fantastic job. There's art in all the, the kids are exposed to some great art, some local art. I mean, Trace and I are both in that collection. I don't know where our art is necessarily, but um, it's just a great thing. The kids, you know, they can pass a Picasso and a Calder and a Burroughs <laughs> or wherever they're going. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and 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 Rick von Schmidt's. Yeah. Uh, oh, the beautiful yes. And Robert Lambden's mural. It's it's. So yeah. Yeah. It's phenomenal. So. Another thing you I think you initiated was this the Gay Straight Alliance. Was that yeah. your you created that in, in 1995? I, I, I did uh, before that. Before um, the early okay. 90s, uh, it was the first Gay Straight Alliance in a public school in Connecticut. Uh, Chode had had one, but they don't count. Um, and you know it was uh, and and it's still going strong. I'm not associated with it any longer. Um, but it was really a place where kids could uh, be themselves and, and talk about issues. You know, the, the straight part of it is really important, too, the part of uh, straight allies as, as part of the LGBT community. And now, uh, you know, when I came out and, and it was sort of the a first at any public school anywhere, and particularly as a coach, you know, now there are... I wouldn't say dozens, but there are certainly a number of openly gay staff members and students, um, several uh, trans students, um, and it's mm. you know it's part of Staples. I mean, it's just it's it's a non-issue. 
And so have you seen progress in terms of tolerance and general, you know, school student relationships and things? Is that is yeah, it made a it's, big it's, difference? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's still, you know, you'll st- still hear that's so gay and don't be a fag. <laughs> but it's, you know, and, and but when you hear it, sometimes a kid will say, you know, why are you saying that? You know, don't be an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you know, Westport and Staples in particular have a reputation of sort of being, you know, very homogeneous and, and, and not a lot of diversity. Um, there certainly is the diversity in terms of sexuality, but there's also uh, other kinds of diversity th- that you may not see on the surface. Um, you know, there, there's certainly not a lot of people of color, um, though more than people realize. Uh, the A Better Chance program is, is fantastic. There's also another program that brings kids from Bridgeport in. Uh, but the diversity that nobody really sees is in terms of global. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, I was thinking about our soccer team. And we at that point, we had 66 players on the team. And I counted 33 of them, so exactly half had parents who were born outside the U.S. And it, it was all over, you know, Egypt, Israel, South Africa, uh, Philippines, um, Norway, uh, Uruguay. And, you know, obviously many of them were were, you know, business people. And, and so you don't have the socioeconomic diversity, but you really do have much more than we used to diversity of, of uh, places of origin. And you don't see that walking down the halls. Right. Yeah. Hunter, we had one black kid. We had one black class, kid. Um, um, can I get it? Barry Johnson, I think. That, so yeah, one black kid and a whole 1200 kids. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We had, uh, yeah. Our, 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 this sounds terrible. The black kid in our class was his name. Our, uh, his name was Sam Pear. I remember handsome kid, great student. And you know what, Sam? When we have soccer reunions, yeah. Sam always comes. Oh really? Oh yes. seriously? Okay. He feels very much a part of uh, oh, what still, we did. How great! Lives is that? up in the Hartford area. That's yeah. Great. You know what he's doing in terms of his livelihood or i'm sure he's retired actually i think i know i can't we're tired so we've got a few minutes left i just curious since you're got your ears and nose and everything in on the westport pulse um what, what are your readers what do you think is are the concerns of you know westporters now seem to be yeah that's that's a great question um you know, we, we can get caught up in sort of the issue of the day, whether it's the Osprey or, or <laughs> you know, the, or whatever. Um, to me, I think there's a couple of issues that are, that, that are really important that sometimes get talked about and sometimes don't. You know, one is uh, the fact that the affordable housing and, and the issues over housing are here to stay. Uh, people don't yet realize how many projects have already been built. Um, and by projects, I mean, I, I mean that negatively. I mean, how many construction, how much construction has been done. Um, 
and is really in the pipeline and how that's going to sort of change the town by bringing in uh, either single people or, uh, you know, just new residents. Um, and we're going to continue to talk about housing and affordable housing um, for a long time. Uh, and the other issue is the, you know, what all these new families are doing positively, I think positively in the town. There's a ton of new families in town. I think there's a law passed, I, I missed it, but you have to move here from uh, Manhattan or Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, you know, that's where they're all coming from. They're coming with young kids. They themselves are, are fairly young. You know, they're in their 30s or early 40s. Uh, they have their own idea of why they moved here and what they moved here for and what they're going to get involved in. They're smart. They're energetic. They work really mm -hmm. hard. Uh, they are parenting their kids differently than we were parented and even the parents of 20 years ago. Uh, you know, as their kids move through the school system and as they try to figure out what happens with Coley Town and middle school and all that, uh, it's going to be a big impact on the town. I have no idea how or, or how it's going to play out. Um, but, you know, it's sort of like when our parents moved here and in the post-war era, and I'm sure the people who lived here then were saying, what's happening to our town? And uh, mm. I think we turned out pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, appreciate it. Migs, Trace, fantastic. <laughs>